All right. Okay. Welcome to the Moon Underwater, the Moo. And uh, I'm Kelly Daniels. And I'm Steve Jones. And today we're going to slowly lower the intro music, just called Mr. Mischief by somebody who I will name eventually. Can't remember who it is. I got it on a free podcast music thing. So thank you to that site and this uh, musician. Nice. And uh, like I said, I'll put the name on there eventually so he can get some credit. Uh, Today we are going to discuss, well, last time we discussed team sports that we watch, right? Yep. And uh, it's a good bar thing to do, sit around, watch NFL, whatever you like, Uh, maybe a little fantasy Uh, getting upset about your team losing, feeling like you have accomplished something because your team won. Um, Today is Sunday. Football will be played a little later. And uh, yesterday was all the college uh, games. That was kind of exciting. He doesn't want to talk (laughs) about it. Uh, Iowa predictably lost to a juggernaut of uh, Michigan. Yeah. And uh, I didn't think they looked terrible, but... uh, Putting any points on the board would have been nice. That would have been nice, but also, yeah. It, <laughs> Pretty typical. It seemed like what this team is, good defense, mm-hmm. and uh, just not much offense. So, we're not going to talk about that no. today. Though. So, um, But today we're going to talk about endurance sports that we actually participate in or do and that we don't really watch on TV. And um, a broader, well, you're a runner. Yeah, you ran this morning. You hit the snowing, and uh, you've been injured. Yeah, and uh, I'm into cycling, and both of those are. uh, You can get obsessed with it, Mm -hmm. and uh, they're they're deeply satisfying on some level, but they pretty much always involve a kind of misery, and uh, at some point, yeah, most of the points, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And it, it, people always ask me when I do, especially like a really hot ride of, you know, 80, 90, 100 miles and just grinding through. And then you stop at a, a quick mart or whatever to get a Gatorade. And the people are, what are you doing? Like, yeah. well, it's like 90 degrees out. And uh, why, you know, is somebody paying you for this? No. Uh, you know, <laughs> why? You don't look like you're having fun. And yet. Uh, I keep coming back for more. Yeah. So there's a hurt so good quality to it. And so I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit, our sports, and do, tell any war stories we may have. Um, but really, in a broader sense, think about what is it that draws humans to do things that are unpleasant, uh, kind of objectively uh, painful. And what what is that? What what? Is there some evolutionary need to do it? Is it uh, societal? Is it? I don't know what it is. Um, but uh, I had the anyway, word arduous written down as like a thought. Of, yeah, like some of these things are. Why are we doing this? It seems like a really arduous thing to do to go out and you know run a marathon, to go out and, yep. and ride a century. Like these are things that man, I don't think anybody would would really think was you know fun or. But there's something about it that does keep us coming back. And yet, when you look at a marathon, there's thousands of people running it, right? Yeah. And uh, so it's not just the two of us. That'd be cool if we were the only ones that were like this. (laughs) We'd be like, wow, we're special. We're tougher than everybody else. But in fact, we're not. 
were, right. uh, were probably not as tough as, as a lot of people. Um, but I don't know what, first off, you, I, I know you have some things to say on the subject. Yeah. Do you want to talk about some, uh, what's your longest run? How about that? And, or maybe your hardest run. Yeah. So I'm going to go with, uh, I did a half marathon a few years ago. Um, we've got a local race here, um, that goes up and down some of the hills in, uh, one of the downtown areas. The big seven, right? The Bix. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of famous, you know, nationally we get, we get, uh, we've had some Olympic runners come in and, um, I ran that one year and I got to the end and I thought I could do that again, but something kind of hurt in my hip. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that, that's kind of weird. Like, oh, I'm going to keep training and the, you know, the marathon's coming up in September. I'll sign up, but I got to get this hip thing taken care of. I'll just take a couple weeks off and a couple weeks turned into a couple months. And so late July for the Bix and then September rolled around and all of a sudden I feel kind of good. Like it's it's a couple weeks before the half marathon. I run seven miles once this year, a couple times. Um, and I thought, okay, I got three weeks to get ready. I'm gonna go run nine miles this weekend and see if I can do it. And I did. I was like, okay, everything felt fine. I didn't hurt. The following weekend, I ran 13.2 miles to make sure I could do it. I did it without having any water with me. Uh, I had to ask for water from a host. It was very poorly planned. Like all of it was. <laughs> Who did you ask was, for water from? Uh, somebody in a little town north of um, uh, north of where I live. And they had a hose, and it was like the rustiest, most horrible water I've ever tasted in my entire nice. life. But man, it was good. Yeah. Um, well, that's part of the that's part of the key right there is that things that we normally hate are pleasurable. Yeah. When we torture ourselves enough. I would have taken anything. I mean, I could have had water out of a puddle at that point. Yeah. Um, and then I did run the, the half marathon. I finished in just under two hours and ten minutes. And Is that good? I, for not having trained, it was great. And yeah. then I spent six months recovering from that. Physical therapy. Yeah. I was hurt everywhere. It was a really bad idea. You need to get some, like injections of just painkiller like yeah. you know just right before the run just along the way would have been great yeah, too. yeah yeah just shoot it right into that hip <laughs> right. and it'll just be torn up but yeah. you can't feel it so no. it's fine yeah it would have been good better than what i did yeah so I'm, I'm trying to be better about my training this time so well ibuprofen is becomes uh your friend if you do these kinds of sports it seems yep. like naproxen for me naproxen's the good one so yeah yeah like 500 milligrams of that goes a long way yeah it does seem like running has a lot of uh of these kinds of injuries whereas cycling uh i know different people get different injuries and uh, i know friends who have gotten like numb hands that oh sure and then their hands are like still numb like weeks later. It's like nerve damage. Carpal and tunnel or something like that. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but mainly it's like if you haven't been riding a lot, your butt hurts. Yeah. Um, Backburn. Uh, your back kind of yeah, hurts. Yeah, that's the worst for me is especially I've, I have a bunch of bikes, but... Um, you do have a nice collection. <laughs> one of them is my little carbon road bike and mm -hmm. you're kind of really bent down. So it's like a racing bike. And uh, that one, I get those, the pain in the upper shoulder, yeah. like neck area, and it becomes excruciating. Like that last, on like a century ride, a hundred mile ride, the last ten miles, it's just really painful, and uh, not fun either. No. And um, I'm not sure. I'm not 
into the torture so much that I like that I need to go 100 miles. Actually, like a good 60, 70 mile ride to me isn't really that hard if I've trained. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we can get into the details of how I, I do my rides, which are not these uh, incredible athletic feats. What's your longest ride? Uh, I don't know, a little bit, 120 miles or something like okay. that. Mine's 40 on a road bike. Yeah. And it, I, that's I felt, lame, dude. Yeah. No, I, felt, <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm, I was like, I feel okay. Like I got done and it, and it, it felt like, I don't know, probably, you know, like a eight or nine mile run. Yeah. But I felt good and my joints didn't hurt. Like, yeah. The problem is the amount of time that it took me to get to that was like, and it took, the, you know, 40 miles takes a, takes a bit. Yeah. So it, it was the time commitment on the bike. I do like riding. So what, like two and a half hours or something like I think that? It was three with the Three stop. hours, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, doing these long rides, it's an all day. I'm just kind of clock yeah. in and I like to stop. Um, so for me, it's just a, the way I like to ride is it's those road bike rides. I don't even break out the road bike that much anymore. I mostly ride on my touring bike, and that's yeah. what I like. It's com- more comfortable. It's got those drop handlebars, but yeah. it's more of an upright sort of uh, geometry. And it's a big steel, heavy steel bike with racks. And then, um, and I love doing multi-day rides, and I haven't done the, the epic coast-to-coast, oh, anything like that. I've done like a, a week or so. And uh, camping out on the side of the road, like it's, or, you know, wherever. Oh, man. And uh, stopping and hit a brewery, you got to stop and get a couple beers. And it, it mixes uh, a lot of different interests of mine. That's a fun part about riding bikes, right? Is yeah. the stops, right? There's a little place yeah. out here, Argo Corners, that we used to go ride out oh, to. Yeah. And, you know, go and sit outside and, and, you know, middle of the summer and grab beers and we'd ride our ride our fat tire bikes out there and just yeah. go hang out, have a few beers and ride back. Yeah. Um, Argo Corner is weird. It's just the middle of the nowhere cornfields. It is. And it's like a, gr- a little convenience store or it's general store that also has a grill and also has a bar. It's great. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty legendary. Um, yeah. So, oh, what I was saying before about cycling was... I, I find there's some aches and pains, but I don't get that kind of knee injuries, like these repetitive knee injuries. Oh, it just yeah. feels like it's easier on the body. And it, you see a lot older people riding bikes, like yeah. long distance. Um, and uh, so to me, it's a little more sustainable, I suppose. I, I've run a little bit here and there in my life, but I just have not gotten the joy of it. Yeah, and so what is it? Is it that you get that runner's high? What is the the pleasure? Yeah, um, you know, I think that for me, it's about getting out from my house because I like to run from home or from somewhere. Um, I will not As run indoors from nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yep. or on a treadmill, <laughs> right? Like I want to, oh, I want to yeah, go yeah. from a starting point and go. Yeah, and part of it is you know like getting, uh, you know four or five miles away from home and being like, okay, smart guy, you got yourself out here. Yeah. Time to come back. Yeah. And there's something... Or not. You could just keep right. running. Yeah, just keep going. Just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I used to run with my phone because I would get worried that, you know, what if I got however far out and, like, I 
something happened. Yeah. Um, and I know people that it's happened to. Um, but the more that I, the more that I ran, the more I was like, okay, I got this. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really worry about it. I, you know, I, I like to hit the road and go, but the runner's high, like the, I ran today just under three miles and that's not enough. Like it was enough to get warmed up. I yeah. really could have used a fourth or a fifth, but I'm in physical therapy for an injury in my quad, which is why one of the reasons we're recording at the, the bar we're at, they have low tables and the high tops really ah. like it pulls on, pulls on the quad. So it hurts. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So uh, we're we're so doing this, this is year. an accommodation yeah, really that we is. got here. Yeah, this is perfect for that. Um, yeah, and so I, there's something maybe maybe a little primal about all of that though. Just you know the getting out and away and um, and at a certain point you just kind of everything just kind of goes numb and you feel like you could run all day and that's sort of a problem <laughs> because oh. that's when you hurt yourself. Oh uh, well, I guess so. <laughs> there was some guy I didn't read the book, uh, but I think I heard him on. NPR or something way back when, but he wrote some book. He was a runner and also something of a scholar or a scientist, but he made the case that humans were evolved to actually run down like prey. Yeah. That, that we're a running species and that because we're the only ones that can cool our bodies with sweat. And even though we're not very fast compared to these other animals, we can just keep going yeah. in ways that you can actually... And, and I think that's a di- disputed idea that we actually were chasing down deer and stuff. We, uh, I think some we other biologists... We chasing deer down, right? But we could surround it. We could. There's other things we could have done. But. I think that we probably, we, you know, made uh, fires and then chased, like, animals off of cliffs and then went to the bottom of the cliff. And so... Uh, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. yeah, I think that's... I, I read somewhere that uh, there's a lot of archaeological evidence that uh, these all these big animals that used to roam the planet in like Australia and the Americas and stuff were around until like prehistoric humans started just extincting them all by mainly by chasing them off of cliffs and uh, so when you're hungry good you're hungry, job right? like, good <laughs> job you know <laughs> go, go humans go yeah. humans uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, go ahead. Well, so when you're when you're getting yourself ready to go back to the, you know, when you're talking about long distance, even 70 miles, at what point when you, like, in your past, was it like, yeah, 70. So that's fine. I can do 70 miles. Because there's people that are going to listen to this and go, 70 miles? So, like, how... How does that, how do you get there? Like, do you start on a 10 mile ride? Do you, like, how, what's that look like? Yeah, okay. I was just like a bike rider guy in the city when I lived in Atlanta. Okay. And I just, I, at one point, I didn't want to buy a car. I was a graduate student. And I thought, you know, I can be, they don't have like great public transport, like European cities or anything, but Atlanta has a metro. Marta. Marta, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I just mainly stayed in my neighborhood, went to the university. Sure. Um, but then a bicycle became, and I could park the bike at, at the MARTA station and just ride. So I became just sort of a riding around town guy. And I had this bike that I bought at a thrift store. Nice. It was an old 1970s, maybe Schwinn, Schwinn Breeze. Nice. It was sort of like bright yellow with these uh, built-in baskets in the back. Nice. Super heavy and clunky. 
And uh, I rode it around. I also went to the grocery store with it and filled up those little baskets. And uh, did it have a bell? I probably did. Nice. I don't. It's been a while. Um, but then you become known as the guy with that bike, yeah. and people like strangers will come up to you at the bar, like, "Oh, I saw your bike parked out here, and That's I saw great. you riding by the other day." <laughs> so here's what happened one day: I came home from school, yeah, and I would take the Marta for a few stops, and hopped on my bike and rode to my, this little apartment. And this is the era of landlines. If you yeah. can think back that far. Oh yeah. Uh, and the phone was ringing as I walked in. I answered the phone, and I hear this voice that goes, uh, um, "Hey, I've been watching you, little bicycle boy." What do you? <laughs> and they're like, "Riding your little bicycle out, see?" Like, and, and just going on and on. And I freaked out and hung up. Oh no! And then the phone rang again, and then I realized. <laughs> and I answered. It was a. Uh, a buddy of mine saw me riding by and just was fucking with me but he did it with a voice um and uh it's still to this day we don't talk that often but you know when we do he'll he'll always call me bicycle boy at some point um this i'm sorry this is an aside but the same guy aunt did one of these prank where you prank the scam phone caller oh yeah and then record it those and somebody called his he had a business it was a art um an advertising agency business and he answers and it was this toner thing you need to order more toner yeah. your boss told us that <laughs> you need to you know it's that kind of scam right and so this is probably pretty uh um un, un- pc nowadays but he did an indian voice like an apu yeah voice and he's like oh no Thank God my boss will kill me. And he just went for it and he strung this guy along for like a half an hour. Yeah. And then he finally just kept getting weirder and weirder to see when the when the scammer would figure it out. Yeah. And he was talking about how he he loves the toner. He always he likes to put it on his vindaloo. (laughs) That's just like pretty maybe like not the most sensitive in terms of identity, but <laughs> but but it, I mean, he it, went with it. It He's, was funny, and then finally the guy hung up on him, and then called back a second ago. That was pretty good, and then hung up again. Oh, so see, at least he appreciated it. Yeah, gave him some uh, some love. Have you ever so, done that? You ever scam the scammer? I haven't. Uh, I have. I ever done any? Uh, I don't think I even did phone crank calls. Maybe I did, but I don't remember it. How about you? I've done all the above. Yeah, yeah, the mo- the the scam the scammer was my favorite. They, my mom and I were driving uh, far. I mean, we had you know three four hours in the car, which is also on my list by the way. So we'll driving gonna, long distance, right? Driving long yeah. distance, one of my favorite. miserable. Yeah, oh, I love it. And yeah, and, um, and we're we're driving. And my phone rings, and it's like some you know eight hundred number. I I'd seen you know some people who had done this on on YouTube, and I'm like, well, I'll answer the phone. I'm bored. Nice. So I put it on speaker, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we, we we have a virus. We're from Microsoft. We we've detected a virus on your computer. We need you to go to your computer. Oh, which computer? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know which one. And I kept them going. Nice for twenty, thirty minutes. They're having me type stuff in, and into you know, like to make stuff run. And I work in tech, but I didn't tell them that. I just acted like I was, you know, anybody, and and just kept them going. And and eventually. 
Um, I've done it a couple times, but that one was, um, I asked them if they wanted me to use my FBI computer or my, my personal computer, and then they hung up. <laughs> um, other times I've, I've kept them going and then said, um, wait, you said Windows? I don't, I don't, I have an Apple computer. And the guy goes, you have Apple? I have Orange. And he hung up. But, <laughs> so there's a, a few of them. And then, yeah, as a kid, definitely, I mean, dialing random phone numbers and, you know, back before caller ID and everybody knew how to star six nine somebody to call them back. And, yeah. Yeah. So. Did you ever hear of somebody called the Jerky Boys? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. They that were, was pretty good. They were great. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember any good. There was something about getting diarrhea from these these fava beans these oh, yeah. goddamn fava beans That's, they did and then a movie. the restaurant some vegan restaurant way back before that was a known thing he's like oh we don't have fava beans oh it was the goddamn fava beans <laughs> i got the run still or something like that it was that was like peak of comedy in the 90s it right? was pretty on, good on a cd or on a tape yeah. oh man yeah the good old days yeah back when things couple were funny albums. yeah exactly yeah. oh man and and people could have fun they People were, yeah, the fun haters were back, were kind of beaten down where they should be. <laughs> and now they've come up and taken over the world, the fun yes. haters. Well, I've got something that I hate that I think is not fun. And I think it's arduous. And there are some people that love it. All right, what is it? Yard work. Yeah, you hate it. I absolutely despise doing Other yard people work. like it. People love to do it. I want, like, bare minimum. I don't even do my own yard work anymore. I have a buddy, um, and shout out. To him, uh, Mikey does Mikey Green, as we call him, uh, does our yard, and uh, we get a great deal on it. And I'm thrilled because I don't have to touch the lawnmower. Is Mikey uh, financially supporting this Scott podcast? I feel like He's if no. we're going to advertise, yeah. then uh, <laughs> yes. you know, if you, why, uh, <laughs> why, why buy the wait? What is it? Why buy the cow if you can get, get the, the milk, milk for free? free yeah. no. Okay. Go ahead, you know, Mikey. No, good, he's, good job, Mikey. He is, well, he's got two two houses, right? So he's got my mom's house too because no. she's not doing it. Yeah. Um, and as a kid, I wanted nothing more than to mow the lawn, and my oh. my dad wouldn't let me do it because growing up, he had been forced to do yard work. He grew up on a farm, and he hated what he called agriculture, which included cutting the yard for him. Like mowing the grass was agriculture. agriculture. Yeah, I'm not some goddamn ag worker. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm on a farm. I, I got away from the farm on purpose. Like I don't want to do any of this. And and the, one of the big reasons was as a kid, he had gotten a tendon in his leg cut when he was down choking the lawnmower for his dad, and he God couldn't. Damn. They didn't know if he was gonna be able to walk. And so he had a big scar over his knee. And yeah. so he was like, this is the reason you can't mow the lawn. Man, I wanted nothing more than to get on that rider. You know, as a car guy yeah. now, it meant a lot to be able to get on that ride and mower and drive it around the yard. We had a hill. He was sure I was going to roll it over on myself. I was allowed to mow the lawn, I think, when I was in fourth grade. And then it was like, no, no more. And then when we moved to our first house, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'll get a, I'm going to love it. And I, I was really picky about it. And then we had our first kid. And it was like, this is a total waste of time. Yeah. No, I don't mow my lawn anymore. Okay. I also just don't happen to have a shed at my house. And, like, having one installed just seems expensive. We have a sloping lawn. and Yeah. So I don't even have a place to put, like, lawn equipment Except for the garage, which takes up... Anyway, Are you I, hired, picky how it looks? I hired a guy. Are you picky with, like... Nah. I'm not either. Totally don't. In fact, I would rather it just be clover and yeah. stuff, and then maybe chop it down, or get one of those just non-mowing ground cover lawns. Yeah. 
Like, I would love that, but that also takes a ton of work to get there. Yeah. And, oh, th- lawns is a, its own whole thing, right? Yeah. Like, how bad they are for the environment and all that kind of stuff. But if you have a kid who likes to, like, play ball mm. and stuff, you you know, there's, like, just letting it go is not a good answer. It's not. And then the, the alternatives, they're, like, hard work. Yeah. It's not like you just, yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's no in-between, really. Well, yeah. I mean, there is. Um, and you know, I like those Arizona, just some dirt and some rocks it. and some cactus. Fuck pebbles yeah, and the uh, pebbles in the front yard. That's yeah, it. That's yeah. what I want. That's the yard. Yeah, yeah. And no, no snow to shovel. Yeah, I mean, ever. Right. So yeah, yeah. For me, the how about leaves? I'd leave them now. I don't care. Yeah, I'm out. But like, you don't have that. You don't have like feet of like dead leaves. On well, your- the front's probably not great. We, I live in kind of a new neighborhood, and so we do have a maple in the front that, given They're the wind... They're not super old trees, though, right? No, They're kinda, yeah. but given the wind, those leaves all end up in my neighbor's yard. Nice. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, oh, that I'm sucks. at the top of the hill, <laughs> and all the leaves that... I mean, I don't have a lot of big trees, but whatever leaves do end up in my yard, they I just have to wait, and yeah. they will... Di- it go downhill and uh, you're getting rid of not my problem, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so with with Mikey, he's very concerned with how it looks and that I'm happy with it. And I don't want to tell him that. And I, well, I, I do don't tell give him, a shit. I'm like, yeah, it, it it looks. I didn't do it, so it looks great. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people, and he's one of them. There's a lot of people who get a lot of joy in, you know, working on something like that and making it look really good. I think there's that kind of joy. I think the gardening people, I understand a little more. Okay. If I had a, um, if I had a garden, if I was around in summers, which Mm. I'm not, but I would love to have a vegetable garden, but I want to like pull that shit off and put it in my, on my stove. Like, you know, I want to eat it. Yeah. Like, just like, just for looks. I just can't get into that. But, uh. I know a guy that did it and like they were mostly feeding themselves they had chickens and they had a garden that yeah. was huge hey man as soon as the apocalypse happens it's we're gonna have to do that yeah i'm moving in with him yeah when that happens yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah around here oh boy you get into that conversation around here it's how many guns do you have right they'll just come and take your shit but um <laughs> at some point somebody's gonna have to have a garden i think that guns and gardens is gonna be the uh that's going to be the new government in this part of the, the country once, uh, once it all goes down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Anyway, this took a dark turn. Yeah. But uh, so I wanted to tell about uh, this bike ride that I do. I know you know what, what it is. It's oh, Rag Rye. It's called. So the state of Iowa, there's this uh, for 50 years. There's this uh, bicycle ride where they start on the western edge of Iowa and they ride to the eastern edge of it. And it takes seven days. And um, it's in July, so it's very hot. Um, and uh, it's just large. There's like 10, 20,000 riders. Yeah. And this huge, at first you think, oh, bicycle riding, it's so good for the environment. This thing is oh. like, there's like hundreds <laughs> yeah. of semi-trucks <laughs> traveling around yeah, RVs, buses, to support these uh, <laughs> these good environmental bicycle riders, 
Um, but it's this traveling carnival, essentially, mm-hmm. um, with bike riding. And it, it's just really a fun thing. The reason why I did it is because I happen to live in Iowa. Um, and the first year I heard about it, it was ending in Davenport. And so I, a friend of mine, you were asking me how I got from 10 miles to yeah to riding 70. Did you do the last day? Um, we, yeah, so I started just ri- riding around town and then started riding around becoming like oh i'm the guy that rides a bike around and then i kind of like leaned into it and then i would do some recreational rides um and then uh the rides just started getting longer and longer a lot of times in those days it was just bar hopping bike rides so maybe i would have 30 miles but after a full day of like alcoholic excess just drinking <laughs> yeah. from place to place and then we'd find new places to ride and there's lots of little places to stop right like we're oh, saying yeah. argo corners before um, yeah. you know shout outside out to of town like there yeah it's a destination yeah um and then finally uh, i'm i was hanging out with this guy named aaron baker poet he was a colleague of mine and uh we he was he would ride bikes with us and but he's just sort of a more competitive type of guy and he did half marathons and stuff and so he starts googling and looking up bicycle riding and he just is like oh i want to get into this like so he's a competitive bike rider oh, now wow. so he really our little friend group where we rode bikes he he started showing up with a road bike with clipped in pedals and like all that gear oh, yeah. and he's like beating us like extending our rides but also you know riding faster than us and yeah. making us feel emasculated so we need to keep up <laughs> and then he, he told us we should do ragbri because it's ending in davenport and then we're like wow so we started training and we overtrained like crazy we were scared of it so we were oh, riding yeah. you know many miles per week you know a good like 100 200 miles per week of just constant riding every chance we got we would do these 30 mile rides and then we finally got to ragbri and it was actually pretty easy especially since every 10 or 15 miles you stop there's a lot of people that don't ride at all except Uh, they just take buses yeah but oh oh, yeah yeah people just kind of show up and they'll do a day or whatever i mean they do a day yeah but yeah so yeah, Ragbri is. It also there are people who go and they they have like a a bus with them, and they'll just ride with the bus the whole time. And maybe they'll do like one little fifteen mile segment. Yeah, but it's just a a party. Yeah. Um. But I've always rode it, and I've always done the whole week, and uh, not always. There was one I only did three days. How many years have you done? I think like seven or eight. And how many miles total is it? For, I mean, I know it depends on it the route. It was 500 last time because it was their 50th anniversary, so they like numbers. So Wowie. they made it artificially bumped up. Usually it's about 475 okay. or 450. Um, so it's about 500. But also, if you think about it, it's in seven days. So um, Iowa is not as flat as you think. When you're yeah. on a bike. Western Iowa, there's some parts, too, that I would not want to be on a bike riding over. Yeah, there's the northern Iowa has that driftless area. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of, uh, like, these river valleys that you go up and down. Um, there's some place called Tornado Hill, which I think the movie Tornado. <laughs> Sounds was, like an Iowa place, right? <laughs> yeah, but it was really, it, it, it is quite a hill. You go down into this, like, really deep river 
ravine kind of thing, and then you have to ride up. Yeah, I was it. gonna say the down's the fun part, right? It's the ride back. Yeah, up, the know. down can be the bad part too, though. People at this ride, there's like so many bicyclists that somebody crashes and oh, then yeah. everybody crashes, and yeah. so you're going like 45 miles an hour downhill. You're in this like skinny little bike, starts shaking if yeah. it's, and then you start thinking, did I? Uh, apply the bolt on the front tire <laughs> all the way i'm not sure if i and you trust the person that did the work if it wasn't you uh, yeah so uh but this last time i did it it's self-contained as they call it and so i rode my tour touring bike and uh had all my gear with me and i didn't even register for rag because they weren't offering me anything they weren't carrying my stuff they weren't that's great they were offering me something there was but i was going off route but i had this crew of people these quad city um touring bike they call them baggers <laughs> so the baggers of of quad cities we were cruising around it was so fun it was the best one i've ever done and i trained for it a fair amount um because you got and they they have like a, a lot of weight right a lot of uh, yeah everybody asked me as i was riding by hey how much is that weigh and i didn't even think to weigh my weigh it but it's probably Better 75 pounds plus the <laughs> plus whatever the bike weighs yeah um but what was really deeply deeply satisfying and it's one of those things where i start getting stronger toward the end than the beginning oh yeah even though you get kind of grinded down there were like two different dangerous heat index days and uh <laughs> it got gnarly a few times and uh but uh you, you all right there i'll make it. a little down <laughs> the beer down the wrong Man. the round pipe um <clears throat> but these guys they all have little uh like nine pack uh ice chests on their bikes oh my god so i kind of had one of those i installed <laughs> one of those and it's in this anyway i want to I want to talk about that, but I won't because it's it's one of those nerdy things where I screwed on this like clip onto the the bike rack thing with this like uh, cooler that I had. But anyway, but we what go, was in the cooler? Beer, I mean, exactly. That's what beer makes it and cool. ice. That's so you put ice and beer in it, and then you're riding. And instead of like having to wait till you get to a bar or something, you just uh, there's a lot of stopping on bridges. Like when you're off, and there's like a nice bridge, and wait, there's really. A, well, this is a nice-looking river. Okay. Like, if you get... Anyway. I guess the route's closed, right? I mean, they closed it off to traffic. They so you're do, not but also we were going off-route onto bike paths okay. and stuff and taking little offshoots and, and stuff, including... What is that place called? It's a High Trestle Trail. Have you heard of that? No. It's this uh, amazing bike and, and walking and running path. It goes really high up in... Uh, gosh, I guess it's kind of northern, central Iowa... And it's got this, these like trestle, these like beams that go over mm -hmm. the trail that light up in neon lights at night. And so it's like, and they blink in some kind of way or it, so it's just, you know, That's cool. people take mushrooms and go up there. <laughs> and so we went through there at night and stopped with our, our little, uh, our beers and stuff. But what I really loved was just feeling really strong and riding and just blowing by some people, you know, with a 15-pound carbon yeah. bike and going uphill. And I've got this big steel bike with all kinds of <laughs> luggage, essentially, yeah. all over it. And just blowing past people. And you could feel their misery. Yeah. And just defeat. Yeah. And it just was... 
the more they were defeated, the stronger I got. Or the you know, like in their I, eyes, oh, right? I was just like sucking their energy and yeah. leaving back a, an empty husk in my dust. That's kind of fun. Uh, it was great. Yeah. So, yeah, that was part of it. Is is that you could say you did it? Yeah. But it's not just that. It's you go through the misery, and sometimes it feels good at the time. Often it doesn't. But mm. then when you stop. You feel like you deserve that beer more than you ever have. Oh, you know, for sure. and or that hamburger, like you know, yeah. some everything tastes a little better. Yeah, yeah. here's a, another little story. I hope I don't get tedious on this subject, but uh, we had this a really long day. And this guy, Aaron Baker, who I was talking about, he rented a hotel room in the middle of Ragbri. This is many years ago, and. Uh, it was like far away from like the downtown part where the route went. So we had to get to the end of the route and then ride what turned out to be like another 10 miles through like suburban sprawl of just nasty bike riding, like not meant for bikes at all up and down hills the whole way. We finally get to like the comfort inn, and it turns out to be a nice comfort inn with like an extra big room. Oh yeah. And me and, and Aaron rented the room, and me and my buddy Sean just went along for the ride. So we get there, we stash our bikes in there, we take turns taking showers, we get this beautiful shower, and then we go out to a Chili's. And it's got to be, if not, if not the best meal I've ever had. It's the best Chili's five. on the planet. It was so yeah. good. Yeah. It was like, we got there, we got these high tables, baseball was on TV, oh. air conditioner was cranking. We're just getting frozen margaritas. Keep them coming. Yep. And then we got like the loaded potato skins. And that's not, you know, we we're burning like 4,000 calories yeah. a day. So it's like we're not watching our wastes at that point. Right. And it went on and on. And it was just so deeply satisfying. And the quality of the food was mediocre. Yeah. No but doubt. Never has a Chili's tasted so good, though. Ne- right? Or like, even a fancier restaurant. Right. I mean, it's just... There is something life-affirming, just being, just grinding through something very difficult and unpleasant to get to a goal and then get a reward at the end of the goal. That's like the great story of every epic story is like that. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings, you know, it was really hard to like throw that ring in that, in Mordor. Yeah. But when you're done, how stoked are you? Yeah, that's good. We we saved the world. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. So then going off of that. One of the things that that we had on our list that I feel like we're kind of building to is is the travel subject, and you kind of travel when you're when we're talking ragbri, right? Um, you're going across the state. Um, I think there's there's a lot that the state of Iowa has to offer that maybe people don't know about. Um, believe it or not, the uh, I've been out of the country. And uh, you're damning it with faint praise here, right? No, it's, no, like, it's yeah. amazing. I, I mean, I've. I'm a transplant and I love it. Um, but I've been out of the country and uh, this was actually back in April. I was on a mountaintop in Wales. Um, and there was a guy that was there when I, you know, I said, where in the States are you from? And he's, he's Dutch. And I said, I'm Iowa, I guess. And he goes, Ragbri. Oh, uh. I'm going next year. <laughs> nice. I was like, wow, how do you know about it? He goes, anybody who's ever been on a bike knows about Ragbri. We're famous. It's pretty cool. We are famous. Um, so, yeah. so then, you know, thinking about travel is, I don't, I don't associate it with one of those like, 
oh, you know, doing, uh, gosh, a 15-hour flight, which is, that's, I think that's my longest flight, 15 and a half hours, Chicago to Shanghai. Awful. I, I would totally do it again. I mean, was it, were you in business class? I was in first class. Oh, you fucker. Yeah. Don't even talk I to me about. I had They put little sheets on it. Don't even talk to me about <laughs> suffering. You're just trying to. That uh, was yeah. great. Uh, uh, it was, but it was, it was 135,000 miles because I, I did not have the $15,000 to spend on the seat. Um, and, you know, the peasants in business class behind me, those were like $9,000 seats. And it was just me visiting a friend who'd moved there. Um, so the family wasn't going, so I didn't have to have, you know, a zillion miles to do it. Um, so you used miles yeah. to get this, like, oh, yeah. oh wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, do they still give miles like that? I heard that the mile racket has kind of, like, ended in a way. It's not as good as it used to be. Um, and, and part of it is, you know, if you think about, uh, it used to be like, oh, it's, you know, 35,000 miles for a domestic ticket. And you're getting a dollar per mile that you spend. It's like, okay, well, things are getting more expensive and I'm still getting those same dollars. Well, now, eventually, the, those miles have to inflate with money. And so it's now more expensive. Um, I do, I would do anything for, if somebody told me that I could stand on my, in my head in the corner for an hour and get 100 miles, I'd ask him how many times I could do it in order to continue to rack up the miles. Okay. So you're uh, a mile. Yeah. Cause mile guy. I want to be able to go for nothing. Like I, yeah. or very, you know, you still have to pay a little bit, right? So I have a, a rewards thing that I got for mile. It's like a travel rewards card, okay. whatever. And I started using it and you get triple points oh, yeah. for travel related, yeah, like great. gas and restaurants and flights. And then I'm like, okay, we're going to use this for flights and stuff. But then it's like, once I get the reward payoff, like travel doesn't give you any more than just getting the straight cash. Right. So I've just realized I'm, I just started just automatically having all those points just go into my mortgage because it's the same company that owns my mortgage. Okay. And it's just like, whatever. And I'll just buy my tickets because it's not actually gaining me anything to use those points. Is your thing different or are you just psychologically you uh, want to feel like it's free? I am really like I'm a planner when it comes to travel. I don't plan a lot of stuff, but with travel, um, I book as early as I can if I'm going to use miles, like 10 months in advance. I know where I'm going. Right. Okay. So. So if I, we're, we know that we're going to Spain for the summer or for at least I'm going over for a little bit, um, I booked in July this Do year. Do you ever get burned where it's you booked when it was more expensive and then it gets cheaper as it gets closer? With miles, no. Okay. Because I'm miles, like, okay. I know what, like, I'm, I see numbers. So um, we fly in Iberia um, often. So there's a direct flight between Chicago and Madrid. Yeah. Um, and we, they, they use Avios as their currency instead of miles. And it's, it's a British Airways, Iberia, a couple other companies that are all under one ownership group. Um, and I think we, I think we're, we're going one way for 20,000 Avios, which is equivalent of a mile and back for 28. So for 48,000 miles, that's insane to be able to do a round trip. And so, but I also planned it almost a year in advance. And so, you know, if, if you don't know where you're going to be or you don't know that you're going to go and do this thing, then it's one of those like, okay, 
you know, it's better to it's better to take the cash, apply it to the mortgage, um, you know, whatever whatever it is. Um, but if you know that like these are the dates, this is where we're going to go, yeah. then you know, book it. So, for me, the I've never, I think, you know, the longest flight not in first class on a fifteen and a half hour or whatever, right? I did Auckland to Los Angeles in coach. I was young, yeah, probably nineteen, but that was miserable. I'm sure it was on January thirty first, nineteen ninety nine, or sorry, December thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. Oh, you're gonna? Did you party like it was nineteen ninety nine? Did there was nobody on the flight? Oh wow! And there was sixty seven people on a seven forty seven four hundred, and I'm a plane nerd. And that that can hold upwards you know, over three hundred people. Nice. And I had a row to myself. Of course, in the back. you did. Yeah, it was. Uh, eh, I want to say it was twelve hours, something yeah. like that. That's and not bad. It was. It wasn't. It was not bad. Um, were they just with free drinks flowing? They yeah they they we waited for New Year's to roll over on the tarmac in Auckland, um, and they. They came around with champagne. Nice. And I looked like a child, but they still, she was like, oh, okay, here. <laughs> you had to be 18 to drink at that time there. And, yeah. And um, so I had, I had the champagne, and then I got a red wine when they brought dinner out. And she's like, are you 18? And I was, I had been drinking in the terminal. I had, and I was like, I am 19. And she, wow. I showed her my ID, my, my driver's license, which didn't serve for any sort of identification. She's like, okay. Um, I Were fell you 19? Asleep. Yeah. Okay. And I fell asleep two hours into that flight. So it rolled over uh, to New Year's. I fell asleep and passed out um, and ended up waking up an hour outside of Los Angeles. Um, and it was December 31st, 1999 again. So I had two nice. rollovers. So, yeah, it's cool. But it was also time travel. It was. You are a time traveler. I am. I, I got yeah. to. Exp- I'm one of the few people I think that got to experience two Millennium uh, New Years. Yeah. The second one was wow. worse than the first. It, they didn't have any flights to Chicago that afternoon, so yeah. I had a, a hotel room at the Sheridan at the uh, at the airport. So going back in time actually doesn't work as well as you think. It you does think, not. Yeah, it's just no. worse each time. Yeah, you're really bored. Yeah, instantly. So the more times you do it, it gets worse and worse, <laughs> right. and then but then you're sort of sunk cost. Yeah, fallacy, and uh, yeah, I get it. Yep. So I mean, that was that's kind of fun, but the like the long flights, I don't like. I mean, I want. Yes, I want to be more comfortable than uh, you know sitting in a coach seat for even six or seven hours, but. I I have the mindset that when I go, um, it's it's like I'm going to be doing something for the next ten hours anyway. I might as well be doing this, sitting here and going somewhere. Yeah. But that's not then then that's only that part of it, right? It's only the okay. This took ten or twelve hours or whatever it is. Then once you get there, things are, never go as smoothly as you want them to. I think yeah. on a on a trip, and for me. Um, that's where I'm more frustrated than the flight or the drive. I was saying yeah. we, you know, we do a lot of, you know, driving out to Colorado from here to ski, um, because it's close and it's way cheaper than flying. Um, but it's one of those things that 
once you get there, the things that go wrong really irritate me a lot more than the stuff along the way. Like, I expect things to go wrong when yeah. I'm in transit. No, I get you. you. Know, bags aren't going to show up or whatever. Yeah. How about you? Oh, well, I mean, I, I don't love... Uh, I like flying in that I like airports. I like I just airports. as soon as you get into an airport, there's people. Yeah. It's one of the few places where a completely respectable person can just order a whiskey at seven in the morning or totally. whatever. You know, it's just like, yeah, there's it's a no judgment zone. You don't know. You don't know my story. Right. You know, and you don't like, know if I just got in. And yeah. It's, yeah. you know, seven at night for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's and and you just see all these different people and and the fact that you're going somewhere that's exciting that's um i don't mind sitting in an airplane i think that it can be pretty tedious and you can get pretty uncomfortable and i get uh every now and then i'll get like a restless leg syndrome kind okay. of thing um and uh, i don't know that has been going away lately i haven't felt that in a while but i've felt it traveling before and that's kind of a drag um, but uh, I, I guess when I think of travel and this topic that we're having about uh, suffering and loving it, is I love like I'm a I'm a big backpacker and oh, I was man. a backpacker, ba- not like hiking through the woods, but you know backpacker traveler, and that got me. You know, I went to Europe when I was pretty young, when I was an undergrad. And instead of doing a study abroad thing, I just saved up some money and and flew to London and then with a ticket like uh, whatever I think three months later I think uh, the whole summer um, uh, I flew out of Paris and then just made my way around wow. and, and was just trying to save money because I didn't have much money and, and it's so long ago that we had um, I showed up with a friend but we split up pretty early because we both wanted our own thing I guess yeah. um, but I would use traveler's checks um so that's ancient history but there's definitely was no cell phones or anything and you just had a paper guidebook and different currencies everywhere totally and you have to go the first thing you do is you have to get new money you have to go to the visitor center to figure out where the youth hostels are or, or how to get around you need a map basically you need to get this map and it was like really hard and sometimes you end up sleeping in a train station because it just worked out that way or on a beach um i have a whole story about being stuck on this island and this island called kos in greece okay kos and uh, i just hopped on a random ferry and got from from uh the island of rhodes and everybody was going to EOS, this party oh, yeah. island, you know, EOS. Sure. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do whatever. I want to do my own thing. And I'm not even going to look at the guidebook anymore because by that time I was this experienced, t- you know. So I hop on this <laughs> uh, this little boat and I end up getting dropped off on this in this town on the opposite side uh, of this fairly big island from the main city. Yeah. And this happened to be this like... <laughs> Like all-inclusive, like honeymoon destination for Americans. (laughs) Like, and it was sort of a budget American honeymoon thing. And every single hotel was just that. Like, hearts. And there was just me. And my budget was like $15 a day for everything. Yeah. And this was like $85 for each room. Every room on the whole town was $85. It was just they had this, this deal locked in. 
and all these honeymooners are there. So I and then I had to get off that out of that that uh, town, and then it turned out that the way to do it was the next ferry was a week away, and then there's a bus that goes across the island. A but it week, was, but it was five days. So for five days, I had to sleep on the beach outside of this town. <laughs> Very much a homeless person. I'd go into town, getting dirtier and dirtier with all these, like, honeymooners. Oh, wow. And I'd be sitting on my little campout beach with my tin of sardines. And then some honeymooning couple will walk by with holding hands, like, just stumble upon me and then just jump back in fear. Right. And after a while, I started, like, hissing at <laughs> He doesn't look Greek. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It was... Uh, it was terrible. And, uh, oh, God. And the story went on. And on. I I had this, like, long, scraggly hair started getting greasy and gross. And in this, like, just a moment of bad decision-making, I decided to cut it all off oh, using yeah. my Swiss Army knife scissors. What could go wrong? Yeah. And so I just had this patchy, weird <laughs> head of hair, like, and, uh, fine. Yeah. So... How anyway, you, how, how I mean, you slept five nights, yeah. and then you got on the ferry and you went back. No, I hopped on a bus okay. that took me to the city of Coast. See, and then the city had like regular youth hostels, and then I checked in, and then I was back in the thing. But for some reason, I didn't go to a barber. I don't. I wasn't able to find a good barber or whatever, and so I'm walking around with patchy hair. You just needed like clippers, right? I mean, yeah, just get, the, get totally. rid of the rest of it. I don't That's, know why I did. <laughs> didn't do that but i was definitely not a hit on the beaches of uh, the hookup scene but you were saving 15 dollars a day by yeah. not staying 85 dollars a night because you didn't have that money either yeah that's true so really you yeah. like you could have had the haircut probably. yeah i would it's... go into town and then buy yeah i could have i really should have splurged <laughs> on the haircut looking back i would definitely uh tell my younger self get the haircut you know you'll you'll you'll, yeah. you'll like it so how long did it take t- for you to fall into the like the routine of pack it all up, new city? Like, because you know we, we're talking about you know getting up to seventy miles. I mean, you went from no travel or not like doing what you were doing to I'm I'm going to go do this thing for an entire summer. Uh, I got into London and I was there with a friend of mine who yeah. was a more experienced traveler, and he was kind of leading us around. We hitchhiked. Um, we stayed with people he had met before in Hull. Okay. No, Sheffield. Oh, and then sure. we went to Hull north, and then we yeah. took a trip. Then we took a ferry to Rotterdam and then took a bus to Amsterdam, hung out in Amsterdam. Amsterdam is when I was starting to feel like I kind of wanted to do it, do my own thing. A lot of Americans in Amsterdam, right? Yeah, it was and pretty easy. There was a lot of, yeah. you know, stuff to do and stuff to see. And then we hitchhiked out of Amsterdam and got one ride that dropped us off in the middle of nowhere. And then nobody would, would pick us up. It was like, you don't, Dutch people in the countryside don't like, no. pick us up. So we ended up walking and walking. Finally, we did get a ride, got dropped at a at a truck stop and we're, we're waiting at the truck truck stop to try to get a ride. And somebody had etched into the side of the back of a sign or something in this paint. It said only assholes try to hitchhike here. (laughs) And it was true. Nobody was going to stop. People were like jeer honking at us. Oh, wow. So we end up walking. There was no walking area. It was a freeway essentially. 
And so we're walking and then we're walking through like farmland. Dogs start chasing us. We're running through crops. Yeah, that'll speed you up. And we go and we ha- at one point we had to go th- across this little river, this little ravine. This, and we'd have to <laughs> took our backpacks off and then heave them across and then jump across o- after. And it was ridiculous. We finally just found this little town. Of course, we didn't have GPS. We didn't have phones, right. you know? Yeah. This we is, found yeah, this, this little like town. phone days. Yeah. And the town was a little university town. It was a little bigger. It was kind of uh, charming. And we bought some, some beers and some water. We were running out of water. And uh, we slept in a park. And it was like, you know, that was a long day. It was a hard day. But it was like, it was worth it now. It was really great. I was there with my buddy, Eric. And uh, like, yeah, and then I fall asleep. And the next thing I know, I wake up because it's raining on us. And uh, <laughs> it's still dark out. hasn't not morning yet. And the rain is just... It's cold. Just drizzling, reg, you know, kind of like not like absolute drenching downpour, but a just steady Enough. drenching rain. It's getting our sleeping bags wet. And we don't have tents. We just have sleeping, light sleeping jags and... So we end up soaking wet, packing up, dawn hits, and we find a train station, and we're like, fuck this hitchhiking bullshit. Yeah. We're no more. And then we went to Berlin, and that was pretty fun. And then we went to Prague, uh-huh. and Prague was amazing. This is like very shortly after the Berlin Wall came down, and it was just newly, you know, a capitalist yeah. uh, Western country, all these bars, all these young people. Um, Hope, and, right? I mean, uh, that's like it, you know. It, it was like so cool. A hope infusion for the, for everybody there. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's where I parted with my buddy because it was like he was the crutch, you know, because yeah. he knew how to do everything, and I just I wanted to be challenged because I felt like I knew how to do it now. You learned enough. Yeah. And yeah. so, but he was cool with it. He's like, okay, we'll just we'll uh, meet up at Paris, which we did. You know, whatever, two and a half months later. Yeah. And, uh, or two months later, probably. And so, yeah, I guess maybe three weeks, a month into the trip is when I started really wanting to to Man. sort of do it my own way. And I really leaned into the doing it as cheap as possible, even cheaper than I needed to, as the, the sure. Grease story told. That's great. I mean, and, you didn't uh, you didn't cave. You could have probably caved the last night after five nights. It's like okay, yeah, you know the the mat eighty five bucks. You know, yeah, like uh, I didn't cave. <laughs> oh, and by the way, last week we talked about the Barcelona football game. Yeah, that was I ended up in Barcelona after Greece. Oh, man. So that I, I and I went to soon as I got to Barcelona. The first thing I did went to a barber. <laughs> and uh, got, Spanish barber got like a, a curious George haircut, nice. and uh, then I was like ready to go. Yeah, so that was the style, right? You yeah, that's all, the only style off. I had, yeah. you know. And uh, it was great, but that and then I spent, uh, you know, about a year traveling in Central America and Mexico, and yeah. I and you know I I that was all really kind of rough rough traveling to the Europe trip prep you for that oh yeah totally yeah and it was just a progression okay obviously Mexico especially Central America is rougher yeah then you could definitely get in more trouble um and uh I like that I like that kind of traveling and I want to do more of it yeah but with more money and like not like go full on resort yeah but you know like a backpacking style staying at like a local 
you know, a and b or something. Yeah. But, you know, spend 50 bucks a night. Okay. Not, like, five. Yeah. Like, and yeah. Yeah, go and do Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ten times the, the rate. That's, yeah. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. but, have, yeah, the, the challenge of it was the was what made it so cool and and shit i know it's a little i'm i'm squeezing a lot out of it but i got two books out of uh hey. out of that traveling and so it's fantastic yeah. i my i've got a like a one day kind of story i i grew up traveling a lot um and i'd been to europe a couple of times by the time i graduated high school and I started dating this wonderful woman from the University of Iowa, and I made my first trip to Spain, where she was from. And I'm like, I've done this before, um, you know. That at post nine eleven, yeah, post nine eleven, it was uh, we got a, I got a, a round trip ticket from Chicago to Madrid through Miami for three hundred and ninety nine dollars, and that's nice. Still, and at the time, people are like, oh, was that a good deal? I'm like, that was half of what it should have cost. Nobody was yeah. flying. And so I was like, I've done this before. I've been to Brussels. I've been to London. You know, I've, I know what to expect. And I got on the ground in Madrid, and I spoke very little Spanish. And at the airport, I... Donde está el baño? Pretty much. Yeah. Like, if, if that. and Or just baño? Baño, yeah. yeah like, the, the rest of the words did not come together. And we... Uh, I landed in Madrid, and it was the old airport, um, and... I, I was asking somebody, uh, because I, I on the ride in on the flight, somebody that uh, was sitting behind me was like, how are you going to get out to the bus station? Because I got to go going out to Valencia. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take a cab. He goes, oh, you can't do that. They're going to drive you around the city twice. Oh, uh, you, you definitely, oh, like, yeah. that's no good. I know that game. And, he, and he's like, that's, that's going to be like. scammers, man. Oh, yeah. This all over. Yeah. And at the time, he's like, that's going to be 20 euros. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. You know, I'm senior in, uh, senior in college. And I was like, no, I, I only have, you know, a couple hundred euros for, you know, a couple weeks. And we're going to go do stuff when we're there. So i I got to skip that. So he goes, what you want to do is take take the metro and there's a metro stop at the madrid trains st- at the at the airport i was like oh okay that's yeah perfect so i go over to where that's supposed to be and it's closed because it's under construction yeah man welcome and, uh, to yeah, yeah. spain i guess and they go and i i'm trying to ask in spanish and and the woman looks at me and goes in english and i go yeah oh hey this is great just like everywhere else in europe everybody speaks english and uh, she goes outside there's a bus it's a red bus you're going to walk out. You're going to get on that. You're going to get off at this stop. And and I'm not really, I mean, I'm on an overnight flight. I'm not really paying attention. And I I step outside of the airport, and I see the red bus. Like, there it is. And I start to step off the curb, and the bus driver honks at me, and then, you know, gives me the, the finger wag, as yeah, they do in I Spain. Yeah, I that finger bag, yeah. wag, yeah. And I was like, aww. And I, and I start to move, and he does it again. And this woman is behind me, and she goes, he wants you to stop. He's going he's gonna to pull the bus up. I was like, oh, okay. So I, I wait, and 30 seconds later, the guy's driving the bus over, and she gets on the bus with me, and there's only a few other people that get on. And all of a sudden, we're, we're going, and we get to the first stop, which I think is where I'm supposed to get out, and I start to grab my stuff. The door opens. I'm, I'm getting my stuff in my hands. The door closes, and the guy drives away. And now I have no idea where I'm going. Holy shit. Yes. 
And Wait, your stuff is in there. My stuff's there. No, yeah. I'm, I'm on the bus. My stuff's there. And I'm okay. like, oh, uh, what the hell just happened? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, wait, there's this woman over here who definitely speaks English. Yeah. I'm going to wait with her. Yeah. And when she gets off, I'll just, I'll get off at whatever. Because I didn't see a metro stop anywhere. So yeah. I just waited. Yeah. And eventually, she, like, we make several more stops. And it, I never paid anybody. Like, this was a free bus ride because the metro was closed. Hmm. She eventually starts to like gather. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm following, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna get off. She and turns around, pepper sprays you, right? No, no. fortunately, <laughs> I get off and I look, and there is a metro stop. So I go down there and I'm like, I know kind of where I'm going. Yeah. And uh, and the other thing the guy on the on the plane had warned me about was watch your wallet on the metro. Yeah, and so I am standing in the corner with a backwards baseball cap on, like gritting my teeth, like like growling practically. People think I am an absolute crazy person. Wow! I got my bags. I'm like holding on to everything, and and eventually we end up at this at, at where we're supposed to, you know, where I'm supposed to go. I I go up the elevator, and there's a newsstand. I'm not seeing the bus station anywhere, and I I ask them uh, in Spanish if they speak any English. They're like, no. I go, okay. Where is the buso? Pretty yeah. much yeah. is what I came out with. And they, <laughs> like, you know, I, they understood the bus and I, and they pointed down the street. So I went the wrong way. As I'm going in, I get surrounded by a group of uh, gypsies that are trying to sell me oh, rosemary. Yeah. And then going and through it, your pockets while you're. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Let, leave me alone. I'm going inside. Oh, I, God. I buy a bus ticket. Classic. Uh, for 11 o'clock. I, I was very clear which bus ticket I wanted. It was 11. Um, and I go downstairs at 11, um, and this is in the morning, and I see that there's my bus to Valencia. It's 11 o'clock. I, I go to get on. These two, the, the driver and somebody are talking as I get on the bus, and I get on, and I just sit down in a seat, like, yeah. for, like right in the front. And the bus driver comes on, and I understand he's saying somebody is on the wrong bus. Oh boy, and and I don't know really what he's saying, but he's and I'm in the front row, and he starts yeah. checking tickets for everybody on the bus. Oh God, except for me, and I look at my ticket and I notice that there is an assigned seat which I'm clearly not sitting in. Yeah, and I just put that sucker right back in my pocket. Yeah. And he came up to me and he's like, "You, you, give me, hey, you, where, where's your ticket?" And I showed it to me. He goes, "Why yeah. did you say anything?" You got to get off the bus. Uh, so I get off. I had a ticket for eleven o'clock that night. Yeah, and Jesus and they Christ. go. Uh, it's it's the other guy that you know that he was talking to. They're like, "You want to go to Valencia? Yes, I want to go to Valencia. You want to go to Valencia now? Yes, I want to go now." They use a sharpie. They cross something out. They write the time on it. I get on the bus. Um, a different bus. That the same bus. The eleven. Uh, that that okay. one. He let me sit there. Now the guy was glaring at me the entire ride. Yeah. Um, and yeah. along the way, something, and to this day, I still don't know what, there was some interaction with a car where people are standing up and they're looking and they're uh -huh. like, oh my God, no, I can't, this is, and I'm sitting there and I'm, and they're trying to tell me what's going on. And I go, I, I finally was like, ah, I, I just missed it. I don't have Whatever any idea. Happened. And, and uh, a woman, a woman just goes, pobrecito, like poor yeah, guy. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and I. He's a little. He's a little slow. Yeah, and I. Yeah. <laughs> I get off the bus in Valencia, and I'm like, it, okay, we're. I'm here. Girlfriend's gonna come and get me. We should come up with a friend. This is gonna be really easy. And yeah. all of a sudden, I hear somebody screaming. Oh, say, what? Like, what is this guy? And he's blind. 
He's got, he's walking around, screaming at the top of his lungs, Onse. And people are like moving around him. They're, they're leaving him alone. He was selling lottery tickets ah. for the, the blind lottery in yeah. Spain. And it was the single weirdest, you know, you thought eight it hours somehow, of my life. Like, had deeper significance than that. Yeah. They're like, so, oh, it was just an Onsei guy. And that's the weirdest thing I've ever, like, when they showed up, they were like, yeah, yeah that was really weird. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Like, that's my entire day. That's yeah. been everything I li- I've lived through today. And, and they took me right out to a bar immediately after. Yeah. Good friends are for, you know. Oh, yeah. I ended up marrying that girl, fortunately. Yeah. So. I and knew I, that was going to be the story when yeah. you said I met this. Because if it if it wasn't eventually become your wife, you probably would have hedged a little more. Right. If it was some ex-girlfriend that, oh, she was so hot. Like yeah. The hottest, she was hottest girl I've yeah. ever had. Everything's been downhill since. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. That's we also settled. true. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Uh, it was it was one of those like I'll never forget it and now it, and I felt very foreign and that was over that was 22 years ago and I now I'm I'm like I consider myself part Spanish like I get it I understand the language I can talk to people I know when something's going on or when somebody's talking about me or when you know when Spain won the World Cup I couldn't believe it and I celebrated like everybody else and but it that was a very long, uh, long trip of sorts to get to that point. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, no, I get it. Well, that's a wonderful place to stop for now. I, I think so. I wonder if maybe we should just continue this next uh, next episode. I feel like I've got more travel stories. Oh, I love we the could just call stories. it travel stories. Um, and uh, I had some bullet points here about the Stoics, the Stoic tradition, about how and other. Uh, other stuff but you know i don't uh, i don't think we put need a pin to in this one right at this now. point yeah, yeah i think so yeah, so cheers cheers good yeah. talking to you thanks. and um thanks everybody for listening let's see if how this music sound if it's coming up oh there it oh, is yeah. all right take care everybody thank we'll you we'll see you next time <laughs>